Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, I'm really excited about this week's Failure Guy podcast. Today I have with me Alex Williams from all sorts of different podcasts, but most recently the Broken Bulb one that I was just on. Hey there, Alex, how's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And this is kind of like a podcast trading day between you and I, because we just recorded some of them for the Broken Bulb, and now we're doing one for Failure Guy. And I like how they're pretty similar in terms of the theme and the mentality. I know just to give a little background to the listeners, you've got your website, nightworthy.com with a K, so knight as in a knight in shining armor. And then you've got some podcasts. Uh, I think the one with the most episodes is My Wax Museum. Mm-hmm. You've also got The Old Goal of Truth and the new one, Broken Bulbs, which hasn't yet launched. Do you want to give the viewers a little bit of insight, sorry, listeners, a little bit of insight as to how you got started and some of your bigger, you know, kind of successes in the medium before we get into your failures? Yeah, okay, I'll I'll brag a little bit. I like to do that. Uh, so My Wax Museum, I started uh, January 2018, so about three years ago now. And it was kind of this personal response to both realizing how much we idolize just people that we don't know. <laughs> we have no idea what their life's really like, but we see them on TV or on YouTube or whatever. And, and we think they're this amazing person. I wanted to show that the people around us are quite interesting and have interesting stories to share themselves. And then I also, I wanted to become a better listener. I've always been a really poor listener. And this was part of my journey looking to improve that skill. So started for those couple reasons. And I just wanted to try podcasting. So that's how I got into podcasting in the first place. I think I just recorded actually as of the day of this recording, I just recorded with my 107th guest. So it's going well, it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy that. Then uh, the other shows that I do all kind of come from similar areas of me wanting to improve or me wanting to put a certain message out there. Like you mentioned, The Old Goal of Truth, that's a show that I do with my little brother where we sit down and we talk about philosophy. We study a book together. Right now we're working through Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And then, of course, you mentioned Broken Bulbs, which is the newest show where we talk about people's failures, which is really how you and I got connected because we realized, oh, hey, we're kind of on the same page here. Yeah. Do you want to give the listeners a little bit of insight as to you know how we connected and how we you know, kind of met? Yeah. So we were at a matchmaker.fm uh, kind of get together. I say matchmaker, but the .fm is probably the important part. That means it's not for love. It's for <laughs> podcasting. So uh, we were at this event and we were kind of just talking about failure in the, in the little chat uh, thing of the event. And you said that you have the failure guy podcast. And I said, okay, well now we have to be friends. <laughs> so we got chatting and then afterwards a few weeks passed and now here we are sitting and recording for hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I think, well, first of all, I thought that matchmaker thing is really cool. And also 
I know I saw, I'm not sure if you saw one of those intro videos, the promos had Brendan, someone we both interviewed, yeah. uh, giving a little spiel about it. So it's funny how all this stuff interconnects. And I think you mentioned on Broken Bulbs, is it correct? You've been on more than 200 episodes of a podcast, whether it's your own or someone else's? Yeah, yeah. I think the the total count is somewhere around 200 now because I've got 107 episodes of My Wax Museum recorded. And then I've got uh, The Old Goal of Truth is at like 20 or 30 episodes. And then Broken Bulbs is just getting going, but I've already recorded a bunch of them. So yeah, it's it's starting to get more and more and more as time goes on. So I'm curious what my final count of 2021 is going to be. I'll probably be floored by how many different shows I've been on or participated in in some way. Yeah, I'm I'm super impressed with that number. I think we are almost tied in number my number of downloads and your number of episodes that you've recorded. So I'm very much on the other end of the spec- spectrum just starting out, but hopefully I'm going to figure out through failure how to make it better. So I, I was really excited to see a lot of people get upset or feel bad when their ideas are not necessarily stolen, but someone has a similar idea. But I just get really jazzed because first of all, it means usually that it's a good idea or it's got some legs because other people are taking it and doing something with it. But also it's just always interesting to see what other people do with those ideas. So I really liked the Broken Bulbs format and even some of the Wax Museum has uh, a lot of that failure stuff kind of weaving through it. Is there something specifically in life that made you want to focus on failure? I know why I'm doing it, but I'm not sure exactly why you were drawn to it. I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, but I'd love to hear uh, more in depth. Yeah, I think it comes from that same kind of vein that I talked about with My Wax Museum of our idolizing of these heroes, people that we don't know, right? We see Bill Gates talking about his life experience, but we tend to focus on the on the successes, even if they themselves aren't focused solely on those successes, we tend to see them in that light and we tend to want to follow that path. What we don't realize is that we're hit with these bumps along the road and you know, those are our broken bulb moments. Those are the moments where we look at ourselves and you know, we're the failure guy. <laughs> we're looking in the mirror and we think like, I messed up. It doesn't mean that it's over. You can learn from those experiences. You can improve from those experiences. And I just wanted to highlight a lot of those, take the the things that we've messed up on and then observe and share the lessons that we can gain from them. I think that's a, a great way of looking at it. I think I'm similar in my mindset behind it. Might We might have taken different paths to get there, but I think it's super important to, I mean, like you were saying, the people who are already successful aren't going to be like, hey, but guys, look at all this stuff I did wrong. They're not going to be the ones to tell them to look the other way. It's really, we've got to stop worshiping them for sure, but also realize that even if they're not talking about it, there's a, a required failure stream that they've experienced that, you know, brought them to where they are. And a lot of times when I have any good idea that I have, I can usually point to something previously in life that I did the wrong way that led me to think this new good idea, whether it's, you know, messing up in terms of running my own business or stuff at work or personal life. A lot of times I'll be like, oh, well, the reason why I did so good right now, the reason why I'm not messing up this relationship is because I've messed up all the other ones. And so it's, 
it's certainly interesting. I think it's hard. My goal was to hopefully help people avoid some of that failure by sharing other stories. But honestly, at least for myself, I can be told a story and it's not going to necessarily make me avoid it as much as making that same mistake myself. So hopefully it's more like just a an add-on to already trying to get through that stuff because it's it's really hard to change your perception of what failure is and even getting yourself past a lot of the reservations and negativity towards the word. I know myself, I've struggled even when it's in the name of the podcast, you know, trying to make sure that it doesn't get me down and or whatever that I actually change my mindset towards it. Now, I know you've talked about a couple different ways that you might have had failures. I think you mentioned that there was an old podcast that you had called The People of Home that you were excited about, but didn't necessarily turn out the way you hoped. You want to talk a little bit about that maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I wanted to do. It was going to be like the coolest thing I'd ever done. Okay. So I was making this podcast. The reason that I was making it was because I wanted to have better political discourse between people, right? Instead of you labeling me as a conservative and me saying, ah, well, you're a liberal role, right? Instead of having that kind of conversation, I wanted to talk about the ideas themselves on their own separately, instead of attaching all these labels to people and saying, you're this, you're that, I'm this, I'm that. We would hopefully be able to have these conversations. I wasn't sure what the format I wanted to do was, but I eventually figured out that it would be cool to create a fictional nation from scratch, make this place up. And we eventually called the nation home. And that's where the people of home came from. The audience would play the people of home and I would be playing the news anchor of this, uh, of this media corporation at home. I would be talking about the goings on of the country, the developments of the country. And we had a few really cool episodes, like episodes that I look back on and say, that was cool. I did a great job on that one. Things I was really, really pleased with. Unfortunately, it's also a big project. <laughs> it was a big undertaking and I was totally underprepared. I talk about this, I made a final episode that I put up and kind of explained why I was canceling it. And I explained that I published the first episode and then I didn't do anything with it. I had been in the process of doing My Wax Museum where it's a new guest every week. So I just recorded that week and put up an episode. I wasn't recording ahead of time. And each of these episodes, if I wanted to make it really good, would take like 40 hours to produce. And so I took this and I, I took down the first episode and then I republished it a month later. Nine months later, after not publishing anything, I finally uploaded the second episode saying we had a major power outage. <laughs> and this was my explanation. At home for, or at, at real at life? Home. Okay. At home. So this was my in-world explanation <laughs> for my real world laziness. And then we had a few good things rolling. And then eventually this summer, I, I had it all planned out. I had 2021 all planned out for this show. I had scripts ready to go. I had a political scientist I was working with, as well as an economist who would be able to work with me on these things. And I had a, a great <laughs> educator. Um, and 
we were working on this whole project together and then my visa got messed up. I'm a student in the United States. I'm Canadian, but I had some visa issues. They long story short, the border officer marked me as a visitor instead of as a student. And it caused a whole chain reaction of paperwork being slowed down. The issues resolved now, but it was too little too late. And you might be wondering, well, okay, why does that mean you have to stop your podcast? You were recording remotely anyways. And I say, yeah, I, I was, but I had to shift gears because now going into 2021, I'm leaving school. I changed my major to something I can do online, but I also have to now live at home and work full-time for my clients getting work done. And I just wouldn't have the energy and the time to put into the people of home. So it's not that I thought the project was bad. It's not that, you know, it fell apart or nothing happened to the project. It's just other things I realized had to take precedent. And so I had to move on from it. That sounds like you kind of bit off more than you could chew with, you know, a good idea, but it'd just be a lot to kind of perfect the implementation of it. Mm -hmm. I, I really like how, from what I gather based on how you set it up and what you said your intention was that first of all, it sounds incredibly complicated and, and like it would take a long time. So I, I agree with that, but I liked how you tried to divorce, you know, nationality from a lot of the opinions that people were had, having to discuss. Cause I think that'd probably be one of the harder things when you're doing that is to whatever it is, abortion or something. I imagine you're touching on topics that are very politicized, but then you're trying to not politicize them. So you really kind of almost have to make this Truman show-esque world where it's not real. And in order to just get people mentally away from some of that nationalism and pride around, you know, political party. And I think it was really interesting what you said about how long it would take you to make those episodes versus regular ones. Cause I find that podcasting is certainly a lot easier in terms of the mental load that it takes. Like when I'm making my Excel videos, I have to really jam a lot into those 15, 20 minutes. And it takes a lot of planning and a lot of understanding what I'm going to talk about and planning things out and how do I want to show things and how do you teach things. And it's a lot easier to your point when you're not having to make something that's bigger than you and, you know, has a huge goal versus just like, chatting with people and interviewing people. It's a lot easier. There's a lot less at stake and there's like a low bar for what people think they're going to be experiencing. If it, with the people of home, I'm sure you set up a really high bar that it was you know, kind of hard for you to, to surpass. So was there any listen, lessons that you learned from that failure specifically that you might not have learned otherwise? I think the biggest lesson would have been knowing when to quit when to say, you know, listen, I really, I really love this thing, but it's, it, it can't be a priority for me right now. Or if it is something else has to fall off the wagon. I might take it up again in the future. I don't know, you know, what, what's going to happen, but I know for right now, I had to suddenly shift my priorities and accept that this just, couldn't be one of them at this, at this point. That's probably the biggest lesson that I got out of it is just ruthless prioritization. Mm -hmm. 
what do you think was more upsetting or hurtful to your maybe I'm not sure if it's ego or just your plans in general was it the people of home kind of disbanding so to speak or was it more of the immigration problems and dealing with the visa what was more stressful of the two Ooh, I mean stressful I'd probably have to say the immigration issues because there was lots of paperwork a lot of phone calls I had to make it was more frustrating whereas the people of home was probably more emotionally impactful for me because it was something that I really cared about and and it's just something that I had to move on from yeah, I could see why the immigration would be more stressful because of the anxiety surrounding whether you're going to get to go home. And similarly, the people of home where you now can't go yourself, uh, that is also going away. And that's more of an ego mm-hmm. bruise than it is probably stress. It's probably a relief of some of the stress you've had around. How am I going to finish this podcast? Oh, totally. Totally. There, there has been a burden lifted on both accounts, honestly, but it, it's it it doesn't make the decision any easier. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably bad that you had both varieties of problems at the same time because then you didn't have any area or at least many areas where you probably are feeling good. But I hope it sounds like you're saying your immigration stuff's almost worked out and you're heading back to Canada at some point soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually headed back home to Canada in a week. So by the time this episode comes out, I'll be back living at home. Uh, but I I will not be continuing school in the US. So it's, you know, mixed feelings get to go home. I like working. But at the same time, I'm bummed that I don't get to finish my course of study. If I wanted to, it would take me an extra year just because of the delays that the immigration stuff caused. Mm-hmm. So I mean, good things, bad things, any situation, I guess. I'm wondering specifically because I know that I have family in Canada, so in Prince Edward Island, PEI area, and I know my opinion of Canada being an American. I'm curious what was your opinion of America being from Canada, how different was it, and what were some of the big uh, glaring differences? The big glaring differences between the U.S. and Canada our fast food is better. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a big thing that I that I noticed. Uh, I miss Canadian A and W a lot. That's going to be as soon as I finish my quarantine, I'm going to mm-hmm. go through the A and W driveway, uh, drive through, and and get a nice teen burger. Uh, but I think big glaring differences, the real ones. I think Americans care more than Canadians do. Canadians are a lot you know, easier go with the flow, you know, oh, whatever, don't worry about it. Whereas Americans, I think there are a lot more things that become issues that in Canada, and I can't speak for all Canadians, obviously, but in Canada, I feel like generally, we kind of look at a lot of things and think, oh, that's not really a big deal. I think that's probably the biggest overall difference. Yeah, I think that can be a good thing and a bad thing for sure. I mean, I I tend to look at the Canadian view and think it's not um, laziness or not caring. It's more about being more easygoing Mm -hmm. and that we get a little too stressed out on this side. But I could see if you're coming from one or the other, you might, uh, you know, kind of envy a little bit of what they have and what you're not used to. And I'm sure we don't, 
I don't want to get into it either, but politics for sure is a little bit more aggressive here, if I had to guess, or at least from my experience. Oh, totally more aggressive. But again, kind of depends on the person, totally up to the individual. Perfect. One of the benefits of being on the show is that you are you get to now receive a get out of fail free card. <laughs> so you can use that card right now to mentally go to any kind of career or hobby or something that you think you would love to do if it wasn't for the possibility of failure, something that if you were certain to succeed or maybe not fail as much, what would be the career or hobby or passion that you'd pursue that you might be avoiding now because it just seems so rife with failure? Oh, man. That's a tough thing because I've, I've never, hmm, at least in recent years, at least in recent years, I haven't thought of myself as afraid of failure. Mm. Well, so some of my other guests and myself included, some of the examples might be more creative outlets like being an actor or a stand-up comedian or something where you're being judged frequently and you might not have the best skill in it. And it's sort of a, or music, things like that, where you just don't have a, like a innate natural instinct for it, but you think it'd be fun if you couldn't fail, you know? If I couldn't fail, I think, oh, I would want to do, if I couldn't fail, I, <laughs> okay, I'd want to do like, you know, those people who do the crazy endurance things, you know, like swimming in Antarctica and stuff. That is something I never, ever, ever intend to do with my life. But man, like the the things they put their body through, I think I would I would become just an endurance athlete, like anything I could do, you know, holding my breath underwater for as long as possible, uh, swimming in Antarctica. You know, Ironman competitions, that kind of stuff. Ironman competitions, just anything that's totally insane that pushes the human body to the limit, I'm up for that. I think that's a great one because I haven't even thought of that because I'm so anti it, meaning I don't like going to the gym or anything like that. Not because it's yeah. not a good idea. It's precisely because it's a good idea and it's so <laughs> difficult for me. But yeah. I think it's a great point because then your body would be just in such better shape without really having to experience a lot of the heartache that's involved with that. So I think it's a good a good choice that I wouldn't have thought of. <laughs> I I only thought of it just now because it is it is crazy and it it does do even even though you know, you're, you're stretching your body to its limits. That's the thing is that, you know, you're really pushing it and it can cause a lot of damage, but man, if I could not fail at it, if mm -hmm. I can do it and just nail it. Yeah. Count me in. That's, that's where I'm uh, handing over my <laughs> uh, card to my get out of fail free card. Nice. I like that. Uh, when did you start podcasting? By the way, I was wondering. Three years ago. Cool. It was January, 2018. So if you could go back three or four or five years ago and, you know, give a younger Alex some advice that might help him along his way. What would uh, be some advice you'd give yourself to avoid some of the heartache and failures that you might've experienced? Hmm. I, I would say, I'd say, Hey, Alex, um, get better mics. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Well, maybe either get better mics or put more time into editing and and put a little bit more effort into post-production for sure. I think there are a lot of episodes that I know I look back on 
and know that I just blew through the editing without really caring to hone the craft and work on the skill and do a decent job with it. And I think, I think I've managed to get out of that a little bit. I spend a lot more time editing. I make sure things are ready to go in advance before, you know, instead of editing Mm -hmm. day of kind of thing. Yeah, I struggled with that too. I was definitely the kind of kid who, while I got really good grades, I would wait till the last night to do the report or whatever. So I'm very, I very much use uh, the pressure of time as a motivator. So it's hard to get into the the realm of not doing that. So I've now scheduled out all of my December postings with my podcast so that I can at least commit to something because otherwise I can let a day or two go by and not necessarily make progress on it. I think for the podcast stuff, I'm wondering if there's any big failures in that realm where you either had full episodes that were totally destroyed or missing, or you did some big mistake with a guest. I'm not sure if there's any, uh, anything like that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had one where I've made a big mistake with a guest. I'm, I'm a pretty chill host. I like to just let the guest roll with things and, and really not offend them. I've had, one guest, one guest, don't worry, it's not anybody who's listening. I had one guest who, who took a toll on me as a host, they it was a hard interview to do. But as far as my own failings go, the one that comes to mind is my friend, Lyndon Neglis. The episode is called spinning the dead lamb or spinning a dead lamb with Lyndon Neglis. And this, <laughs> this was one of my early episodes of My Wax Museum. Lyndon has a podcast of his own with his friend, Troy Cooper, who's also my friend. But they have their podcast and they have great podcasting voices and they sound great. And Lyndon's mom is very proud of him. When I was doing the editing of the episode of My Wax Museum that I had Lyndon on, I don't know what I did but I ruined, I absolutely ruined the audio. And I, I even went and I tried to find the original file and I'm not sure if I found it or not, but it didn't, it didn't work. I broke it. Like I ruined the audio. And I remember his mom saying <laughs> that I ruined his voice. <laughs> he was so <laughs> upset about that <laughs> and i i thought i tried i tried <laughs> and uh i don't think she ever listened to another episode of the podcast i think she just wrote me off she's like this kid does not know what he's doing with anything to do with multimedia but yeah i'd say that's probably certainly not my biggest failure in podcasting mm-hmm. but the the most poignant oh i i goofed up Oh. Yeah, it's tough because you're you're the one who's on the hook there for making it sound and, and do well. And even if it's your 50th or 100th episode for that person, it's the main episode for them. Mm-hmm. So no matter if it's not a huge mistake from your perspective or, or, you know, it doesn't hurt your whole catalog that much. It sucks when you let someone down and you wasted, you know, some of their time and certainly their mother down. That sounds like it's not. <laughs> That's not the worst ideal. person to let down. <laughs> uh and I think you touched on something earlier that I wanted to ask about, which is you said you would tell yourself to do more editing or be more intentional with your editing. I'm not sure what the wording was, but I'm, I'm curious because I struggle with this a lot is what do you 
look at as the way to figure out the right level of polish and perfection because there's a very fine line between too much and not enough and it's hard to know that is is there anything you could give listeners or even myself just advice as to how you do that yeah that's a really interesting question and it's something i'm always experimenting some of my shows especially if you listen to broken bulbs you'll notice that some of the episodes i have you know i have the question asked and i let the guest just tell the story and then we finish up and i ask them where people can find them well some of the episodes though on the other hand are I ask the question, the guest starts, I might editorialize, pop in and then say, and then you wouldn't believe what happened next, right? I do a little bit of editorializing because I I experiment and I'm constantly mm -hmm. trying new things. It's not a commentary on the guest. It's not the commentary on the story. It's me trying to create the best thing. And so what do I think would be the best advice for a podcaster or a creative of any type trying to polish it the best that they can while making sure that it's still natural i think experiment just make new iterations every time you go in say okay this is how i did the last one do i think i can try something different right and you can gauge people's reception that can kind of be a hard thing unless you have surveys for every single podcast which would be exhausting uh but you can kind of see what people think you listen to it yourself say i really like that i really like that and it's just going to depend uh, as far as practical things if there's a a break in audio that's longer than a second okay bring it together shorten that space a little bit other than that i don't know just keep keep trying get better mics try mm -hmm. something out don't sound better try a different mic right just keep making new iterations every single episode. I think that's great advice because, you know, when it, whether it's email marketing or website design, a lot of times you do a lot of AB testing, which is, you know, give half of the people one version and half another and see which one performs better. And there's different versions of that. But I think what you were saying is kind of like doing that with different podcast episodes. It's like doing, you know, podcast A, podcast B. If something shakes out where one tends to do more well than the other, it could be the guest, but it could also be something that you did and you can kind of use what worked and what didn't from prior episodes to inform you know, future stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And ideally you're subscribed to your own podcast, right? <laughs> I hope so. And hopefully you go through and listen to it and you might say, well, okay, well, I've already listened to it, right? I've already listened to it multiple times while I was editing. Well, yeah, but you want to hear it, how the guest is hearing it right? Or how the listener is hearing it. You're washing dishes and you're listening to it. Do you notice anything weird, right? You're on a walk and you're listening to it. Is there anything that caught you off guard? Okay, take that into the next iteration and consider that. Make that consideration and try and improve upon whatever, whatever you can. Yeah, I think that's a great way of, of looking at it. And I try to certainly do that myself. I realize what you were saying just with my most recent episode is that I just listened to it in my car. I think the best thing for me is to listen to it, how I would listen to another podcast. Cause that'll be the best way for me to figure out if I hear anything weird. So I tend to do it while I'm driving. And now I realize I'm just going to put it on my phone and go for a drive rather than sit in front of the computer and watch the waveforms change because it always makes it less organic and, and 
less natural because I tend to edit out more when I'm looking at it. And otherwise, if I'm just listening to it, you know, the way I would normally, I can just figure out the things that really need to be changed and listen to it with a different ear. So I think that's great. Great advice. What would you say is going to be your next big fail? What's the next thing you're going to try to succeed at and most likely have a bunch of failures uh, before you get there? That is such a good question. What's my next big fail? I think writing a book. I'd like to write a book. I And I think I'm going to just go out and try it and do it. Fiction, nonfiction, not totally sure yet, but I will put it out there. Ideally, it'll be a huge success. I mean, everybody wants that, mm-hmm. but I'll just throw it out. And if it goes well, it goes well. And I mean, if not, then I guess that's uh, that's another failure in my mm-hmm. cap, I guess. I like it because I, I've i been trying to write a book myself. That's how the failure guy thing kind of started. But I think books are cool for two reasons. One, it's like a time capsule. And, and if you read a book from, let's say, a thousand years ago, it's almost like that person's talking to you now. It's kind of a way to break free of the shackles of time and really give a message to someone in the future that you won't ever meet. But it's just a real cool way of kind of time traveling, so to speak, but with information. And the second one is it's just got such a low barrier to entry that anyone can write a book. I mean, podcasting has a low barrier to entry, but there's still microphones and things to post it and all that other stuff with a book. There's almost nothing stopping you. You can have just a pen and a piece of paper and and write a full book. And I think that's one of the cool things because it's really more about just the content and whether you're bringing something good to it. It's hard to fake a book and have it be you know well received yeah yeah i i think that's a good point and whatever i write i want it to be authentic and real which means that well received bit <laughs> uh maybe some people will receive it well but i think i'm sure some people won't and I, I guess that's what happens when you when you put yourself out there in that sort of time capsule form you might read it 10 years later and say, and then you're the one not, <laughs> yeah. well. you're the one thinking, Oh, what is this mess? Yeah. It's, a, it's funny though, to, to look back on how you used to think and to see that progress. It's a cool way to do it. And I, I think at the very least, if you're passionate about writing a book, you know, write two or three ones that are horrible and then you'll probably start writing better ones as you get further along. If it's something that you're you know, passionate about. Moving on to a little bit more of the failure stuff, I'm wondering if you've had any specific costly decisions or maybe a most expensive lesson that you've learned uh, that hurt a lot due to the financial impact or if there was anything that was a huge setback. Uh, It doesn't necessarily have to be financially, but maybe career-wise or something that really impacted your ability to be where you want to be. Yeah, actually, this I think this is a good one. I did car sales once upon a time, which I think I think I could be a good salesman. However, I drive a 1999 Toyota Corolla, and I love that car. I've had this car, must be six years now, and she's phenomenal. She gets me everywhere I need to go. I've driven, you know, central Alberta in Canada all the way down to Utah. I've you know, that's a 19 hour distance. I, she's at 215,000 miles. 
never had an issue, just regular maintenance stuff, right? And so I'm thinking, why does anybody need a new car, right? That's my own perspective. So needless to say, I was not a great car salesman. I loved driving those new cars, though. I worked at a GM dealership. Man, the GMC Denali's, like, just the most beautiful vehicles I've ever been in. Just amazing, right? But I, I can't, I can't sell them, and so I, I quit because I knew there was nothing there for me. I'm sure within the company I could have transferred somewhere. I could have worked on marketing there. That probably would have been a great idea, but instead, I wanted to do things on my own. I decided I would be fully self-employed after that. This was my first foray into self-employment. <laughs> it was awful. I, <laughs> I, I couldn't feed myself. I literally lived off of like $15 a month for groceries. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you know what, do you know what a pierogi is? Yes. The little potato, but I don't even know what's in it kind of thing. It's like yeah. a little it's a Ukrainian dish. It's it's like a almost like a dumpling shape with filled with potato, right? Mm -hmm. Really, really good. In Alberta, it's you get four and a half pounds of these things for like three bucks. Super, super cheap food. I just ate pierogies and pickles that my mm -hmm. mom had canned herself for a whole month because wow. I had no money. I was so broke. And I think the the failure there was that I tried to do it alone and I didn't have to. I knew that there were other opportunities, even within the same company. You know, I wasn't working out as a car salesman, but I could have done something else and I could mm -hmm. have learned great things through it. But instead, I thought I'm going to do it on my own. And it it was a really, really hard six months uh before i finally realized i should probably try something else yeah i can imagine that wasn't very fun i i've experienced the same thing when i think at least one of the failures i'm seeing there in that scenario is where you know you were struggling and you were trying to sell things with your own wallets perspective you know or like saying i wouldn't buy that so i don't want to sell it to someone who would want to buy it or they right. shouldn't want to buy it you know kind of thing right. and yeah. i've struggled with that too where it's like I'm not sure if I can wrap my head around spending that money on something. So therefore I don't think they can, but having worked in business and all that other stuff where I know people blow money on all sorts of crazy stuff is that if you don't think that way, it certainly opens up the possibility of more sales and things like that. And like you were saying, if you could even just realize you don't like sales and move into another part of the company, that probably would have been pretty good. I heard you call your car a she does it have a name? Because I know mine is mine is the Failure Mobile, which is not the name of it, but Sylvia is the name. But it's from a Mike, a Mike Snow song. I didn't know if there was a name of, of your car. Yeah, actually, I named her Thesea, uh, T-H-E-S-E-A. Um, and uh, she is she is wonderful. But I, I named her after the ship of Theseus, uh, that myth of replacing parts, you know, traveling around, experiencing... And, and slowly over time, um, putting that effort in until it's basically a whole new vessel. Yeah, I think that just reminds me of, have you ever seen the movie, John John Dies at the End? 
John dies at the end. I have not. No. It's a really weird, campy horror movie. No, not a horror movie, but it's kind of like a comedy slash horror thing. But at the beginning, there's a story about this guy who killed someone with an axe, but then later replaced the head of the axe and then later replaced the, the base of the axe. And there oh. was a new axe, but then some ghost came to haunt him. And he's like, that's not my axe. Whatever. It was kind of the same idea. When does something become a new thing right. versus uh, the same thing, but just has evolved and changed over time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what's really cool about that idea is you can apply it to yourself, right? When are you not that person who made those mistakes anymore? Because you've learned your lesson, you've changed. And even on just a general cellular level, right? You're a totally different person. You're mm -hmm. new and, and kind of allowing yourself to be that new person and, and not give so much focus to the failures, but focus to what you've learned from those failures, I think. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I think even on a micro version of the same whole body changing cells thing is like, I've heard, I think every seven years or so your taste buds change. Mm -hmm. And so should I view myself as the guy who 10 years ago didn't like some specific food? Or yeah. should I think maybe I might like it now? So yeah. I'm trying to be more adventurous in that sense, because I, I know I've been a lot pickier in life with food. And since things change over time, maybe, I mean, I know there's definitely some things that I've grown to like over time. I don't think that'll be the case with mushrooms or olives or some of the things I don't like, but <laughs> I've definitely added more to the, to the roster than I had uh, to yeah. begin with. I just really have one last question for you, which is where uh, these days can people go find you? I know you're all over the place. Where would you like to point people to find you in the, the place that would be either most beneficial to you or you think people would be most interested in checking out? Yeah. So, I mean, people can follow me personally. My Instagram's kind of quiet, but it's the same username as my Twitter where I'm a little bit more actively engaging with people. And that's at A-L-E-X-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-N-S. My name's Alex Williams, spelt the normal way. But as you can imagine, Alex Williams wasn't available. It's a common enough name that I have a friend named Alex Williams. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I throw in the N between the M and the S. That's where you can find me on literally anything. You can follow me on Podchaser with that username, Twitter, Instagram, uh, best place. If you want to check out everything that I do, like Ben mentioned at the top of the episode, you can go to nightworthy.com. That's night with a K.com. And uh, that's from there, that's kind of a landing page where you can be taken to Every project that I do, including Mecco Radio, Williams Redlich Content Marketing, and any other projects that I may have over the year. It's kind of the overarching brand that I've put up. Very cool. I like the changing your name a little bit for the SEO and, and findability purposes, because I know I've learned over time a lot of lessons about how to make things easier or harder to find. And part of the failure, I think, in world's number one failure was that there wasn't a lot of competition for that title. So I, I liked the fact that it would be easy to find that. And I like when people like yourself think through things like that. I think it's always interesting when you plan ahead and, and it works out because I agree, you probably would not be able to be found as Alex Williams without other words. No, yeah, I'd be buried. Cool. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. I look forward to my episode of broken bulbs uh, coming out. And I look forward to this one as well. I appreciate you being on and, and sharing some of the, the low points of your career. And I look forward to hearing more about your exploration through uh, the power of failure.
yeah, thank you. I've loved being on the show and can't wait for this to come out and share your episodes as well. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.